Kristen. And I'm Keyonce. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. What it do? Baby yeah. Boo. What it do, What's baby up, boo? Hi, babe. How you doing? I'm doing great, husband. Mm, that's good to hear. Pleasant. That's pleasant to hear. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, you know, other than the fact that people, they coming at my uncle on, online for something he said. My uncle Shay Shay. Uncle Shay Shay? Yeah. Today he said, well, not today, last night. He actually said that um, when it comes to moving the needle, Taylor Swift is pretty much, when it comes to moving the needle in football, you know, in other spaces, that Taylor Swift is better and bigger at moving the needle than Beyonce. Who's Shay Shay? Shannon Sharp. Not Sha- you talking about Sh- some your uncle Shay Shay. Like. Sh- that's Uncle Shay right there. That's Uncle Shay. Shay Sharp. Okay. But anyway, yeah, he said that uh, in a sense that Taylor Swift is, you know, kind of bigger than Beyonce. And people just, I mean, they just, they, they going at him on these internets. Who cares? You know, I mean, I mean, I get it, but he was talking about really in, in regards to like when it comes to football, um, because um, revenue has kind of went up for, for the NFL. Since Is this your pop culture segment? I'm confused. No, no, no. This is just this just something quick. But, you know, revenue has gone up for the NFL a little bit for the especially during the KC games, because Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. Oh, and not, and people just you know they're just saying Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift will ne- can never be bigger than Beyonce and blah, blah blah. And essentially, he said that Taylor Swift is as big as like Michael Jackson. Like right now, like she's the Michael Jackson right now. I mean, and to be quite honest, I love Beyonce, but he got a point. Like when it comes to like ticket sales and stuff like that, psh, man, Taylor Swift is out of here, yo. Me. I, d- I just don't really care you know, about Taylor Swift. You're Beyonce. not in the beehive? I'm not in any hive you know of Swifty? anybody. I'm not. Are you a barb? I don't know what that is. Are you part of the Navy? No. Are you a Barty, a part of the Barty gang? There's no. so many. There's so many things that everybody got. Like everybody, I do, I do love a little Cardi B. My ratchet side of me loves Cardi B. Yeah, everybody, but, everybody has like their little like kind of group, and they have a name for them. So I guess we got to come up with a name for the people that listen to our podcast. We already did on one of our podcasts. It was Dang, like what did the, we say? The Mickey D's or something crazy. Uh-huh. I don't remember what it was, but it was something. But um, no, that's weird. And no, wait, what's weird? All come of them, all the people is weird. Who 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 wants to argue about who's bigger, Taylor Swift or Beyonce? That's crazy. Well, I mean, some stuff is fact. Now, like Beyonce is Beyonce is gonna be Beyonce is like the better to me. I think she's like the better artist and performer. But Taylor Swift does have a nice pen. I mean, like she writes her own songs and stuff, um, which Beyonce doesn't do a lot. But also, boy, for example, this these this past tour that both of them had, like the Renaissance tour and Taylor Swift's Eras tour. Beyonce did do 590 million ticket sales. But you know how much Taylor Swift did? Two. $1.3 billion in ticket sales. Oh, oh, so, oh, oh. I, I woke up after that very boring, boring. I don't know. Taylor yeah. Taylor versus Beyonce, but not. But in all, in all seriousness, though, I, a lot of people just con- continue to like pit them against each other, which I, clearly both of them don't want that to happen. Because even when Taylor Swift had her movie premiere, Beyonce showed up to her premiere. So, you know, they're trying to keep it cordial and, and be ladies, but everybody keeps pitting them against each other. So, Is it time for me to wake up from my nap? I was asleep during that. 
Yeah, go yeah, go ahead and wake up for your nap. Four minute nap. Boring. <laughs> well, tell me how your week was then. My week has been. It's just started because there was no school on Monday. Uh huh. So, so what you do instead? My week has been one day. Uh huh. And so, so how's, far, that, how's that one day started off? So far, so good. My weeks are always good. For the mm-hmm. most part, I mean, unless somebody dies, you never, that's a bad week. Well, but. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, like, you don't have any, like, wrenches that have been thrown your way or any curveballs? I mean, there's always wrenches and curveballs. You just gotta, you just gotta pick it up and figure it out. Listen, like, I like my job. I like where I'm at. Good environment, good job. So there's, like, nothing to really complain about mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, yeah, but it's only been one day into the week. Uh, nothing like, you know, monumental has occurred. So, mm-hmm. I mean, therefore, it's a good week this week. Listen, but with a woman's hormonal cycle, you might catch me uh next week and I might be like, oh my gosh. Mm, okay. I don't know. So, yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, my week is the same. Um, it's getting off on the, it's getting off on the good foot. Um, yeah, I don't really have any complaints there. You know, back to work has been copacetic. Um, and everything's just moving smoothly, you know. Can't really complain. We're yeah, going into cool. a we're going into a new month um this week, going into February, so Yay, Black History, Black History month, month, Valentine's Day. I love all the holidays. I would celebrate everything they have. National Pizza Day, National uh, friendship day i'm mad that they have all those national days and i'm like who isn't who created these days that's my favorite i love holidays like like whatever there is a holiday for i want to celebrate that like mm. I, I truly do i want to decorate i want to buy gifts for every holiday you know how like they have easter cards and stuff mm-hmm. i oh and halloween cards i always really want to buy a card for <laughs> a somebody halloween card i always want to buy the cards for people but, you know, I, people are going to be like, what the heck? A card and a gift. I think there should be gifts for every holiday ever. Because, huh. like, who doesn't like a gift? That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our next segment. Um, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Now, let's start off with our random fact of today. So, our random fact of the day is going to be... Um, we all go grocery shopping. We all go into grocery stores and... If we buy fruit, like for our household, what do you think is the most like common fruit? The number one like common fruit that everybody gets for their household? Apples. Bingo. Okay. Now with apples, did you know that aside from organic apples, um, you know, and apples that are labeled like, you know, farm picked or, you know, organically grown or whatever that is yes. the case may be. When you get regular apples, did you know that your apple can be a year old? No, I didn't. That's literally wild. I know they have a plastic film on it or something. Yes, they have a wax covering on them. So let me tell you exactly what happens. Um, Fall is actually, in America, fall is traditionally the apple season month. Yes. Um, You know, like especially out here in California, like in the, you know, kind of parts of like the hills, we have like apple orchards and things of that nature. And so farmers in the fall, that's when they pick and produce a majority of their apples. And once they pick those apples in the fall, what they do is they coat all their apples with a waxy foam. That's the film that you were talking about. They coat them with a waxy foam and then they heat dry them and then they chill them or freeze them. And when they do that, they're good and edible from six months to a year. So when you pick up an apple in February, that apple actually might be an apple that was picked all the way back 
at the beginning or ending of September, you know, and they just put them out and they unthought. So I'm guessing that's probably why you ever sometimes get an apple and then like you get it in your house and it like goes bad like the next day or so or you feel like it's going bad the next day or so. No, that might be the reason. That's never happened to me. But I have gotten an apple where I'm like, why is it mushy in the inside? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, on the outside. Okay, yeah, I could see that. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like, I didn't ever knew. I figured that it was just bad as when I got it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, a trick apple. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the apple game. So, I guess, you know, there is a benefit to buying organic apples. Because now, organic apples, those are apples that are grown, you know, um, very differently than how those apples are picked in the fall. Um, and they're a little bit fresher, you know. Hmm. And without any chemicals on them or anything like that. So. Very interesting. Yeah. I like that random fact. I thought you might like that one because we were talking about fruit the other day. Yeah, because there's a lot of fruit talking around. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to our next segment, which is our Let's Get Deep question of the day. Um, and this is brought to you by the Let's Get Deep game. It's actually not brought to you by, well, it's in part it is because we have the game. <laughs> But if y'all listening or y'all know somebody who's a part of this company, tell them to holler at us so they can sponsor us because we be riding for them. All right. But anyway, (laughs) our let's get deep question for today is what two things would you not mind making a comeback? Mm, You remember the bubble jug gum? Oh, you said coming up. uh, it It was a bubble jug and then it was like powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming like in a in like a little pink bottle, right? Yeah, that was my favorite. I used to love the bubble jug gum. You know what's also crazy is that we used to smoke cigarette gum. <laughs> like, <laughs> and parents were buying that for kids. Like, what the heck? I used to get it off the ice cream truck. I don't know if my mom knew I was buying it. No, I used to get I used to get it. Yeah, I used to get it off the ice cream truck. Yeah, I used to, that's what I'm saying. I used to act like I was smoking it. And also, whenever there was a baby shower, I don't know, but some people still do it. But when there was a baby shower back in the day, and it was a boy. And, like, they would have, like, the gum cigars. Or the chocolate cigars. Yeah, I would get those, too. Yeah, so for sure, the bubble jug. I mm-hmm. love me a bubble jug. And then probably, do you, do you consider pogo sticks? Oh, pogo stick? I mean, yeah, because, shoot, how many? I've ne- I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I've actually seen a kid with a pogo stick. Or maybe I should say old school cartoons, like those stuff we grew up on, you know? Uh-huh. Rugrats and all that. I'd like to see those make a comeback. But for sure, bubble jug and old school cartoons. Okay, okay, that's good. I'm a child at heart, I guess. Mm-hmm. 90s baby, for show, for show. That's good stuff. What about Circuit City or Radio Shack? <laughs> um... Yeah, man. Yeah. Now, Radio Shack, I think Radio Shack was pretty cool because unlike, well, I guess, I guess Best Buy kind of does have toys to a degree they do. But Radio Shack used to have an actual like electronic like toy section. I don't know if people remember that. I don't remember that part. So, but the crazy thing is, um, there is actual Radio Shacks still and it's not in the capacity of like actually going to a Radio Shack short Radio Shack store. But if you Google Radio Shack, there is some Radio Shacks like in airports and um, I forgot where else they have them. But there's like a select few. So they're not all the way totally extinct. 
Wow. But um, that's the more another, you know. That's another random fact. Same with Toys R Us. Toys R Us isn't. It came back actually a couple years ago, which I didn't realize. But they they are placing Toys R Us sections in random places like Macy's. Or again, like you might get to an airport. I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, you might get to an airport and then there's a Toys R Us. So randomly, but um, yeah, for me, I would say my number one thing that I would love to make a comeback would be the Enchirito from Taco Bell. Let me <laughs> now. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Not the Enchirito. Boy, when Taco Bell dropped that, that that they might as well have been Usher dropping Confessions because that Enchirito that was a hit for me. When that came out, my mama used to go to uh, to Taco Bell and ask us what we wanted. It was always an enchilada for me. And, and if you don't know what an enchilada was, Taco Bell made essentially it was an enchilada burrito, but bruh, <laughs> straight fire. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna need them to run That's that back. A, that was probably fire in your booty when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna need them to run, I'm gonna need them to run that back. So Lord. Yeah. An enchirito, I'm telling you. An enchirito. That's fire in your booty. Yeah. Got your guts all flamed up. Bruh. And then the second thing I would I would want them to bring back, or I wouldn't mind making a comeback, would be, do you remember like when you were a kid, there was a stint in our childhood where if you went to like McDonald's or something like that, where the kind of play area was, they actually would have a gaming system. So like um when you go to the play area like they had the GameCube. Yeah, they had GameCube and you can act like yeah, you could play they had Super Smash Brothers and stuff like that. Um I'm like, bruh, that I mean when I used to get out when we used to get out of school, me and my brother used to walk home from school, we would stop at a McDonald's. There used to be a McDonald's right there on the corner of Rosecrans and Lone Beach. We would stop there and sit there and play the game consoles they had. They had like four game stations. Bruh, and we used to be playing the games. How fun. Man, that's that's those are memories right there. I'm in agreement. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our forever segment. So what you got for us today? What what, what questions you got on your docket? So last week, do you remember what we talked about? We talked about our childhood traumas. Yes, we talked about childhood trauma. We talked how about how it affects our marriage. Yes, we talked about attachment styles and all that stuff. So, anyways, the next day after we recorded that podcast, I met with my therapist, and you know, I was telling her, you know, I just always update her on my life and things, and I was telling her about, you know, my attachment style and all those kind of things. And she was like, huh, very interesting. So she helped me with this topic today. She's like, you should do a topic on this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions and you answer. But of course, we always have, you know, essentially like a lecture or a point to all this at the end. So what is your idea of um, healthy vulnerability? Healthy vulnerability? Yes, because one of the things is my attachment style was the not anxious. What was the one? The avoidant attachment style or fearful avoidant. And one of the things is you said that you wish I would or you think I should be more vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to dig deep into this because at first I kind of was like, "Uh, I don't really need to like, I, I know that it's better to be in a secure attachment, but I was kind of like, uh, like I don't really need to be there, but you know, I always want to better myself. And so that's part of bettering myself. Mm -hmm. So she said, why don't you, I was like, how do I even get to that point? 
And she was like, well, go straight to the source. So what is your idea of healthy vulnerability? Just a few things. It doesn't have to be real deep, you know, because of course I have the answer. Okay. Well, me and my idea healthy vulnerability would just be um, having an openness without a guard. And I know that's like a, I know that's a loaded uh, statement, but really, like I feel like oftentimes, not just not just with you, but I think of like a lot of people, even with me, um, I think we're not as vulnerable, especially like when it comes to the areas of like failure or not kind of meeting the mark. Um, that we think we should we that we think we have met or we think we should be meeting, mm-hmm. um, and so within that failure, like we don't really voice out like how we're actually feeling about that failure or how something actually makes us feel. Rather, we just kind of like try to brush it off and like just kind of move on. But then there's a hardness to that. Like there's a hardness to just like you want to talk about it. No, I'm I'm fine. I okay. mean I'm cool. It is what it is. But being healthy, healthy vulnerability in that instance would be like, man, this I was really banking on that. Or I was really hoping it was going to turn out this way. And man, I just I just feel let down. Like, I don't I don't know what to do. You know, so that's one example. Okay, so do you think there can be an unhealthy vulnerability, an unhealthy vulnerability, Um... like too vulnerable? I don't think so, actually. I mean, it with your with your spouse, no. With other with random people, yes. You think so? Okay, that's interesting. Okay, and so the third question that stems from that is, how can I be more vulnerable to you, like specifically? I know you didn't expect that, but you know, because if that is a thing, you know, you want me to be more vulnerable. And, you know, that's something that you kind of expressed in the last episode. How mm-hmm. can I be that? Well, for you, I just want you to be like, I want you to be emotionally giving. And okay. what that means is that, like, there's often times where, and you talked about it in the past, in the past episode, where, like, you kind of, like, you, you kind of, like, a hard, you try to be, like, a hard body. You're you working on, like, getting softer and living your soft life. That's, that's what they're saying right now, right? Living a soft life? Sure. Yeah, you're you trying to get softer, but, like, oftentimes, like, if you're very emotional, like, even if, you're like, you're crying or whatnot, you low-key, like, kind of hide it from me or not. I don't know if it's, I don't know if you, is you don't want me to console you, like, why you're crying or you don't want me to see you crying. But, like, oftentimes if you do cry, it's like I'm catching you crying. Like, oh, is there, you know, everything all right? Instead yeah. of you just coming to me and, and crying and me being <laughs> your open safe space. You know, and I just I just feel like that's just so, like, awkward or so off. Oh. Like, girl, I'm here. I'm here. for. I'm here to be your permanent shoulder to lean on. Like, I'm here to be the person to hold you or the person to, you know, wipe your tears away. You ain't got to, like, try to sneak off into the corner and cry and then come back like everything's okay. Like, be open. Be vulnerable. Be soft with me. Okay. So, cry. Is that what I'm getting from that? That, yeah, that, and just, like I said, just talking about your emotions. Now, a lot of this is kind of subjective because... No, this is how can I be more vulnerable to you. So this is not yeah, yeah. Isn't subjective, this is specific. No, 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 I'm talking about what I'm about to say right now. It okay. could be subjective because I don't necessarily, the next thing I'm about to say, it could be subjective to me because I don't necessarily know the actual true truth of what's going on in your mind. But like oftentimes I will feel like you would be going through something or you be, again, in a, an emotional sense where it's like, oh, something happened or like something got you frustrated and like let's talk about it or whatnot. 
But then it's just like, I don't know if you are actually frustrated. I don't know if actually if something actually went awry with you and you just don't and you are actually cool or if something did happen and you just don't want to talk about it for whatever reasons. Okay. So that's why I'm saying that's why I said that that one might be subjective because I honestly don't know unless you until you be open and vulnerable with me and let me know, (laughs) you know. So cry and communicate. Yeah. Emotions. Uh huh. And what else? And then I would say the last is just being actually. Well, oh, is you being vulnerable to me? Yes. Um, I don't, this I don't, is specific towards me because this is something that you expressed you wanted. Yeah, so, I would say. Well, I would say because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how, where this fits, but you being emotionally available to me, and I don't know if that's, I don't, and I don't know if I can categorize that as you being vulnerable, but like. Oftentimes, and vice versa, sometimes I don't feel okay or I feel awkward maybe bringing stuff to you because of your hardness, you know? So you feel like you can't be emotional? Or in certain, yeah, in certain factors. Because, for example, <laughs> oftentimes you'll be like, if something happens, like, oh, like if we watch something or something about somebody does something, you'll be like, ugh, I-, I hope you never do that. Like if somebody's like, if a dude is like crying or like, like snot coming out of his nose and stuff like that over something or whatnot, you might say like, oh, that's kind of a turn off or like, that's just, that's just, ugh, you know? Well, snot coming out of anybody's nose is kind of gross, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, I could, I could see, I could see that. But yeah, that or just any just phase of just being like low-key, like sad, you know, it's kind of hard to, to kind of get, yeah, to get that across like to you. Without huh. looking, without me thinking that you thinking that I'm weak or that it, that you thinking that like what the like what the hell is going on? That sounds like a personal problem to me. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, I get it, I get it. Um, but yeah, okay, so I could I could understand that. So cry, open emotionally, and for I guess to for me to stop making comments about you know other men's emotions. Will yeah. make you feel more emotionally available. Okay, mm-hmm. so there is a way that you can be too vulnerable in a marriage mm-hmm. because sometimes when you're sharing your feelings, your fears, and insecurities, it could be like too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it can make your partner feel overwhelmed or burdened by their emotions and stuff. And sometimes it'll become like one-sided. Like everything's about you all the time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody that's just complaining all the time. Like if I came to you about every single thing that bothered me ever, you know, like, okay, I wanted you to be vulnerable, but dang, not that vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're doing too much. Now I got to take on all your issues all the time. So it's important to really like set those boundaries and communicate, you know, when someone's doing a little too much and just to maintain like a healthy balance of being vulnerable in the marriage, but to where you're not so vulnerable. So you really need a, like a, a middle ground so that the person feels valued, but you know, so that they, but you don't feel overburdened at the same time, but that's where in a marriage that you communicate, you know, to each other and so you guys know where your middle ground is and so that's something that we'd have to do is communicate so we know where our middle ground can be essentially and so healthy vulnerability involves one open communication 
And so, you know, that's just being able to express yourself, being able to say your thoughts honestly and openly without feeling judged, even when it's like a little uncomfortable or challenging. Mm-hmm. Emotional honesty is sharing your feelings, including both positive and negative um, emotions without that fear of rejection. And number three would be active listening. And so that's just really listening to your partner with empathy, understanding. And so you could really understand where a person is coming from and where you're also validating their experiences as well without judgment and without being defensive. Number four is mutual support. And so that's just being there for each other during difficult times, offering empathy, comfort, and encouragement without necessarily trying to fix the issue. Mm. Number five is a respect for boundaries. And, you know, I hinted on that in the healthy vulnerability discussion part or the, um, the part where you could be overly vulnerable. And so it's just respecting people's boundaries and autonomy and knowing that healthy vulnerability doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your needs or your boundaries for the sake of the relationship. And then trust, we have to make sure that we could trust each other, but that's built through honesty, being reliable, and just being emotionally supportive because once you've been emotionally supportive, then your spouse can essentially trust you. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, shared responsibility and that's just taking responsibility for your own emotions like you know I'm not in charge of fixing you and you're not in charge of fixing me you know yeah. and we're here to love each other support each other however you have to recognize your own part in your own emotions you know mm-hmm. so and you have to also realize the impact that your emotions may have on your partner and how that may overwhelm them you know yeah and then we have to be able to take those emotional risks when being emotionally vulnerable, especially when it feels scary or uncertain. And it's interesting because, you know, we've been married 14 years, so it shouldn't really feel scary or uncertain, but it can. And so specifically how I can be vulnerable to you is by sharing my thoughts and feelings openly, expressing my fears and my insecurities, all my desires, all those kind of things. And so I do honestly share my thoughts and feelings openly for the most part. Mm-hmm. I truly do. Like the things I think about and the things I feel on a day-to-day basis, I'm really good at expressing like when something's making me anxious or I'm getting irritated or anything like that, especially in the moment. Um where I may have a little bit more difficulty is when something is uh, is essentially going wrong or whatever. Or something like big, you know, like the death of a sibling or something like that. Like the death of my brother that we faced earlier this year. Another thing I could do is express my fears, insecurities, my desires. Just being honest about my emotions even when they're difficult. Asking for support or comfort when I need it, allowing myself to be seen authentically, like who I am, who I am as a person, trusting you with my innermost thoughts and experiences, really being receptive. Dang, I don't know what the heck I was saying. Respective, receptive, one of them. (laughs) to like um, just the support that you offer and communicating my needs and my boundaries effectively. So one of the things that I was talking about with my therapist is 
like basically how you respond to me when I am vulnerable. And oftentimes I think because of the way that I've been set up that you truly don't know how to respond. Like you mean when you say set up, you mean like the way that you was raised? The way that I am, the way that my emotions <laughs> oh. are, my character essentially. You, you just know? set up like you was a phone or something. I am a phone, <laughs> like low key. And so, anyways, because of the way that I am, essentially, I think that it's hard for you to know how to react. And so, how you can react, and she told me to specifically tell you this, because then I can be more vulnerable, because I know how you're going to be reacting in a way that is going to support me, essentially. Mm-hmm. So. You can listen actively. So just listen to what I'm saying, mirror what I'm saying, you know, like, hey, I hear that. Am I hearing that you're upset right now? Am I hearing that your feelings are hurt? Expressing empathy. Man, I don't know what it's like to go through that. Like that really hurts. You know, I know that really hurts you. Providing reassurance. I'm here for you no matter what, you know. Don't judge me. Don't criticize. Like, you know, just don't, dang, she still crying about that. She's still feeling that way. Ask open-ended questions, you know, like just what, what do you think about that? Or what, what can I do to help you? What, you know, just something that's open-ended. What, just some prompting questions, essentially. Offering practical support. Like what can you actually do to help me? You know, like, can you bring me something to eat? Can you buy me a gift? Can you take me out for to get my head clear? You know, respecting my boundaries. When I say that I'm not ready to talk, I'm just not ready, you know? And it's not many things that I'm not ready to talk about you, to you with, but I do feel like uncomfortable with sadness and with grief because I just, you know, that's, that's really a deeper issue for another podcast, but because of the trauma that I faced in the past, then I'm not really comfortable with emotions like that. And so I don't really cry a lot in general, but you know, it's important that you respect the boundaries that I do have. And then um, really just expressing your love for me and your appreciation for me being vulnerable with you. And I just think that that's so interesting, especially the respect your boundaries part, because I remember when my brother passed away and I was talking with my therapist and crying with her and you actually got upset like, oh, you're talking to her, but you're not talking to me. And I just think that was kind of a little bit crazy. <laughs> like. Mm. Here my brother died. You know what I mean? Well, it wasn't it wasn't like I didn't even finish saying Yeah, and you were like, Oh and you were like really in a tissy about it and I was just thinking, I don't have time for this, nor do I care. Like I'm not about to cater to your feelings while I'm literally facing the death of my brother, you know? Mm -hmm. And I ended up talking with her about that and she was like, Okay, now he kinda needs to be for real, you know? And she I like her a lot because she really keeps it real. And so it's just was that was just a lot for me because, you know, I'm already dealing with a lot and I just didn't need that at that time. And it's like, you know, I'm having to try to cater to your emotions when I'm going through all my emotions. Oh, you're mad because, you know, I'm not 
vulnerable with you in this moment, but it's like, I literally don't have the mental capacity to do any more than what I'm doing at that point. And so in times like that, then that's where, where I would really need the love and the appreciation and the, you know, the respect for my boundaries, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to say was, I, it wasn't really more so me being upset. But it was more so, um, I guess the only word I can use is like, it's really like confusion. Like confusion and like frustration. Because I feel like... Frustration sounds like upset, but okay. Well, yeah. Well, I'm frustrated because I'm just trying to... I'm frustrated in confusion because I'm just trying to figure out like when, when when this event happened, you know, I'm like, okay, let me do what I have to do or, you know, be what I have to be to help her. Oh would not, but this is this isn't the conversation me and you had, per se. Oh would not, and so you know within like you're kind of like being distant in that moment. I'm just like, what what am I not doing or what you know like what's going on where you can't talk to me, you know? And I'm just you know like I said in a part of confusion confusion because I just feel like I'm you know I'm supposed to be that that stop for you I'm supposed to be that safe place for you that safe space for you to just to be vulnerable just to let everything out so now i'm just confused as to like what what have i done or what am i not doing that has not allowed you to be open in that space and then it's just a bit of frustration because then it's just like i'm it's just unknown for me and i don't know what i don't know what how to go about you know how how to go about it so not necessarily i was upset at you but it's just oh no you were definitely upset I do remember very vividly, but you know, that's okay. It's okay. We're past that at this point, Mm -hmm. but you know, I just think that there is a time and a place for that. You know what I mean? And now that it's in retrospect, now would be a good, you know, now it's, it would be a good time to talk about it. But right then in that moment, I just literally, I just was like, I do not care what he's talking about because I'm just not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm facing this insurmountable pain, the most pain I've really felt, you know, in my life, you know? And here he comes trying to get mad because, listen, I finally have broke down and expressed myself to someone, and here he is trying to, you know, get it for him or whatever. But I know I do get it, and I do get where the pain and stuff comes from, but it just really was not the time nor the place at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I just really don't wish that pain on anybody, but people who have been through it will definitely understand because it's just, it was just crazy, honestly. And so, you know, we're still a work in progress. We're still trying to figure out, you know, how to balance that. And I'm still trying to figure out how I can, you know, loosen up and all that good stuff. But I know it's a really great place to start, you know, in some of these things and starting to share my thoughts and feelings openly. But listen, once we open up Pandora's box, oh no. I don't know. But honestly, though, too, a part of my character is that I don't have a whole lot of negative emotions to really share or a lot of, you know, I don't really have a lot of those emotions. Truly, I don't. Like, you might think, oh, you're just a rock. No, I really am. You should ask, you could ask my friends, like, what I share with them. There's not much because I don't, 
you know, I'm very logical and analytical in how I deal with my emotions. And so that part of me is not going to change. But however, when I do feel those emotions, I can be willing to share those things with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, so I'm going to switch into, um, it's still part of our forever segment, but I wanted to briefly go over something because last time we spoke about the attachment styles and things, and we realized that you were anxious attachment and I was fearful avoidant. And so what anxious attachment is, is that a person basically really clings really tightly to a person and they almost have like an underlying fear of being abandoned essentially. And it usually comes from abandonment issues and, and childhood trauma issues. And then what fearful avoided attachment is, is a person who goes back and forth between wanting to attach to somebody and detaching themselves from somebody because they have a underlying fear of, of being hurt essentially. And that also comes from childhood and from um, trauma as well. And so what we want to be is the secure attachment where we, we're we trusting people, we're loving, we're giving of ourselves emotionally, we accept others' emotions and all that kind of stuff. And so how do you think you get to secure attachment, babe? We kind of spoke on the things you do, but if you could just, you know, give maybe one or two things you think you could do or you think you have to do to get towards a secure attachment. So you're anxiously attached. How do you think we can get to secure attachment? I would say, but the number one thing would just be trust. Okay. Just trusting somebody. Okay. I mean, getting out, getting to trust because trust is something that's built. It's not something that's just is there. Um, so I guess that underlying with trust is just continued communication um, and just continued, I guess, observance of observance of actions. <laughs> I don't know. What are you speaking in uh, King James version or what? <laughs> observance of actions? That ain't King James. I ain't never heard nobody say observance of actions. Yeah, like, observing people's actions or what? <laughs> yeah, same thing. This is shorter, but yeah, it goes with communication <laughs> and observing people's actions. Like, okay, because somebody can say that they love you, but what they do is going to hold more weight of them of you actually knowing that they love you than rather than what they say. Yeah, that's very true. Yes, that's very true. Okay, so I'm going to give you the specifics. So the first thing you want to have is self-awareness. Ooh, and child, a lot of people lack self-awareness. Me, personally, one of my strengths is my self-awareness. Now, whether I'm going to do something about it or not is a different story, but I know at least, I'm at least aware of who I am as a person. But people really need to start by recognizing those patterns of behavior and thoughts that they have, especially in relationships. And they have to notice when they feel those feelings of anxiety or jealousy or insecurity and really try to understand the underlying reasons for those feelings. So now we know that we'll use you for an example is that you're anxiously attached. So once you start feeling those feelings of jealousy or insecurity or, you know, like, oh, she just doesn't want to talk to me or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you have to own those feelings like, oh, wow, I'm feeling this right now. Now, why am I feeling this? You know, was it something that was said? Was it something? And then what was said and how did that attach to your childhood? And so even myself, you know, when I say I'm not going to tell nobody this, you know, why do I feel that way? 
and I need to understand, you know, what the underlying reasons are for those feelings. Next, you want to identify your triggers because you want to pay attention to the things that trigger your issues in your relationship. So what is triggering your anxiety? That's like that underlying. So it kind of goes within that first one. You're self-aware. Now what triggered it? And understanding that trigger can help you to like respond more calmly and rationally when they occur. And then we want to challenge our negative beliefs. So what are the negative things you believe about our relationship, about me, about yourself? And so we have to remind ourselves that we got to have to be compassionate to others, compassionate to ourselves, and remind ourselves of our own worth. And then we really have to develop those emotional regulation skills. And it's so funny because we're always begging kids to show and to do what they're supposed to do or regulate your emotions, regulate your emotions. But half the time adults can't regulate their emotions. So let's be real. So when you're starting to feel that, how can you regulate? How can you stop yourself from feeling overwhelmed, anxious? That could include exercising. That could include mindfulness. That could include deep breathing, all the good stuff. We want to communicate. So like, don't shut down, you know? Express your needs, express your concerns, express your boundaries, clear and assertive. And listen, I got assertive on lock, clear. I pro- I probably have clear on lock too, honestly. But, you know, but the expression part is the part I don't have on lock. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, clear and assertive. And then that communication can help build trust and healthier dynamics and relationships. We want to set our boundaries. We've already talked about boundaries. I'm pretty good at doing my boundaries, but it's really essential for your emotional well-being and to help you get that secure attachment. Like you have to be clear about what you're comfortable with and what you're not uncomfortable and what you're uncomfortable with. And then you have to really communicate that. And then a lot of the things behind all this is self-esteem. People be having low self-esteems. Self-esteem. People be having low self-esteem, you know? And really, that's the underlying thing. Like, build your esteem, build your confidence outside of your relationship. I'm big on this. Like, listen, I don't think I can get very much more, very much more confident or much more confident because I love me like Kanye love Kanye, okay? And it's important to, like, really engage in those activities that make you feel good about you and recognizing your own strengths. I could probably write a book about myself at this point, about what I love, what makes me tick, what makes me talk. All that good stuff. And then seek therapy. Woo, chow. Everybody need therapy. I be trying to tell everybody. I be trying to put people on. Get that therapy and stop playing about it. Like, what? I just don't get it. Like, it's such a valuable support and valuable guidance. And it really gives you the tools to develop your esteem, to develop that secure attachment style. And then self-care. I'm big on self-care. And so... You want to nurture your physical and emotional and mental well-being and all of those good things. And mostly, last but not least, is give yourself time because, you know, changing those patterns really take time. It's hard. It's hard to undo the things that you've done in the past and to undo all your 33 years of, you know, whatever you've done. So, yeah. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stuff. It is lots and lots and lots of stuff. So let's switch into Roots and Bloom. And mm-hmm. I went long on the marriage, but that's okay. That's real cool. Because sometimes these marriages need some help. 
<laughs> they need some work. Do you have anything else you want to say before we switch? Oh no, let's let's go. Let's move on. Let's move on into roots and bloom. And so let's start off with some questions again. Do you think we parent all of our children the same? Oh, definitely not. Right. You're right. Good. Simple answer. How do you think our parenting practices change per kid? Um, It's just based off the temperament of the kid, really. Yeah. Like, you know, like my son, out of all the three kids, I mean, aside from Josie, because she's just a baby and she's just naturally sensitive. But my son is probably the most sensitive of the bunch. Like, I can't even, my voice can't even get deeper, you know, than, <laughs> than normal without him feeling some type of way or feeling some type of sadness. Autumn, which is our oldest, like, I don't know, like. <laughs> She's sensitive too. She is sensitive, but she ain't as sensitive as him. And, yeah. like, for her, like, we just got to, it's an interesting way we got to just talk to her, like, just matter of fact in a sense like <laughs> you know and then Josie she just crazy <laughs> so that's cause she three though do we have a favorite child Josie that's cause she the baby <laughs> I don't have a favorite child all my children are my favorite your favorite is gonna be the one you gonna give the most to and that's Josie cause no. Josie get whatever she wants she three though she she's the get, baby she's, she's not our favorite child and I'll tell you why she's not my favorite child in this I don't, I don't have a favorite child, honestly. Honestly, I think different children need different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And so right now she is the baby. So we do have to pour a lot of our time and energy and resources into her. And from zero to four is your integral part of your childhood. If you mess up that zero to four age, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. And so she is three right now and we have not quite made it to four. And so she does get a lot of our time, our energy, our resources. And so that's truly why also I drop her off and I pick her up every day. So I spend a lot of time with her as well as um, the needs that she has. Like she requires a lot of energy. She requires a lot of time. She requires us to change her clothes. She requires us to bathe her. She requires us to feed her. And so, no, she's not my favorite, but she does require probably a lot of our time and energy at this time. And so, therefore, I take a lot of pictures of her because I'm always with her, picking her up, taking her, you know. And so, to the outside appearance, people might be like, oh, she's your favorite. She's your favorite. But truly, she's not. I love all my children equally, but they do require different things at different times. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, is Josie really your favorite? No, I mean, you just asked us which one would be the favorite. Like, no, of course, I said, none of our... do, I said, is there a favorite? Oh, I mean, yeah. Okay, so Keontae got a favorite, <laughs> y'all. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, by default, she is the favorite. Like, she could kind of do no wrong to me no, right now. No, she could do wrong. Yeah, I mean, not, like, not too much. She she don't be listening, you know what I mean? But like That's a big much. Yeah, but it's just kind of is but that her not listening is very much breezed breezed over as opposed to the older two. You know. <laughs> yeah. If she asks me to get her something, I'm more inclined to say yeah than the other two ask me for something. Dang, you scandalous. I'm just, I'm just being honest. He going to get canceled, y'all. <laughs> that ain't canceling. That's going to be the majority of people who have a baby un- 3 and under. They're going to be like, yeah, of course, um, that's just, that's just what it is. So, um, how I parent is kind of how 
in special education, we have these terms called tier one, tier two, tier three. Tier one is like your whole group, your whole school wide intervention. So that's all kids get that intervention. Tier two is like your small group intervention or your class-based intervention. So like, you know, a specific class might get that intervention or you might have a small group of people who get that intervention. Tier three is your individualized supports and interventions. Mm -hmm. And so tier one is like uh, for in parenting, that's how we treat all of our kids, all of our nieces and nephews, like we have these rules, you must be respectful. You, you know, you don't put your hands on people. Um, your private areas are for you only one person in the bathroom. So that's everybody rules, right? Tier two are our rules for our children, essentially that go for all of our children. Like, okay, you got 30 minutes of iPad per day. We have a token system we do where they get to like buy little drinks and stuff. So you get to buy your drinks and you get to buy your snacks and stuff with that. Um, you know, we're going to kiss all of you. Good night. We're going to hug all of you. We're going to pray with all of you. We're going to make sure you all have clean clothes. You know, those kind of things that go for our household. And tier three is where we really individualize our parenting. Like, okay, autumn has been doing great in school, great everything. And so, you know, she might earn something and we go and take her somewhere special. Or you might take her on a daddy-daughter date. Or, you know, August might need some more attention, so we might be showing him some more attention and doing more positive praise, more positive reinforcement and things like that. And so, how you know, everybody gets their individualized attention, individualized support. Josephine, we bathe her. That's individualized. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, things like that. And so the way that you decide how to individualize parenting is basically number one, you have to recognize your differences in your child. So you have to understand that each child is unique. Every child is different. No one child is the same. Autumn, August, Josie are different. They have their own temperament. They have their own strengths and weaknesses and they develop at their own pace. And so we can't compare them to each other because they're all different. You know, um, we really have to provide that guidance, that discipline and that support that's that's specific to their needs. And so we know that my son might have a difficulty being defiant when he's not in front of us. So we have to tell him, make sure you're listening, make sure you're doing this. We know that Autumn might have the tendency to follow a crowd. So we talk to her, hey, make sure you're being a leader, make sure you're standing up for what's right. Josie, she's forming in her formative years. So we tell her, make sure you know that you listen to your teacher and that you're doing the right things and you're being kind and all those kind of things. We also have to be flexible, though. So we have to be able to adapt. So when children are saying, oh, I need more attention, then you got to give them more attention. If your children are saying, oh, I need more autonomy, you got to be giving them more autonomy. So we have to know what stage they're in. When kids be in the lion force, I call it the lion force because they be lying at that age. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be able to approach that. When your kid wants to no longer get hugs and kisses, you know, are you cool with the fist bump? and all that. And then we want to encourage their autonomy. They're able with different ages, you're able to make age appropriate choices. Yeah. When Autumn and August asked to go outside by themselves in our front yard, then we let them go. Josie, even though she's our favorite, says Keontae, 
then she don't get to go outside in her front yard, in the front yard. So she might not think she's a favorite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that is something that, you know, that we individualize as well. Respecting boundaries. We got to really respect our own kids, each boundaries, their preferences, their personal space, all of that good things. We have to be emotionally responsive to whatever their needs are and comfort them in a way that is tailored to them. Like, you know, we know that some kids might need the look and some kids might need them holy hands. You know what I mean? To get them uh, going, you know, mm-hmm. they might need a couple, a couple pinches or something. I don't know. Um, we have to promote their self-esteem. Each kid is going to have their self-esteem promoted in a different way. We might have to tell them one, they're pretty or handsome, but then we got to do the other one. We got to have them practice in their strengths so they could feel good about themselves. And then lastly, we just have to have that open communication because I love to ask my kids, what can I do better? How was mommy today? What can we do as parents and all of that? And so I say all that to say, I truly don't don't have a favorite, but I do think that I individualize my approach to each child. And in that time, yes, there can be a kid that's easier to work with at that time. But, you know, just like that, it could switch. Kids adapt and they change. And so, you know, that is basically how I feel about that. Anything else you wanted to say? I mean, no, I mean, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, I just say that Josie is our favorite in the sense of <laughs> just being impartial to her with certain things, you know, but I just think that just comes with territory of just being the baby, really. Okay. So, not the, not that like, this is my favorite and my other two kids are scum of the earth or nothing like that. It's Jane, just, this boy said they chop liver. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just that I'm very impartial to Josie. It's just like when you have a collection of things, it's almost like the most fragile of the things that you collect more than likely will probably be your favorite. The one that you just put in the box for safekeeping while everything else is, like, out, you know? And that's Josie. That's the baby of the bunch. Like, My babies is all fragile. She's the most, she, who's the most, who do we put in, who do we have in a car seat, you know? Like, she's the most that's fragile. That's she's three. She's under four. Yeah, but I'm saying, she's just the most fragile in every, in every way. Like, can't really, you can't really yell at her. You can't yell at any of the kids. They, gonna, they all gonna cry. But <laughs> she, like, she gonna think it's the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like. Can't be too rough with her. Like, she's just fragile. She's just the baby. That's all. <laughs> so. But fragile doesn't necessarily mean favorite. Yeah. But hey, to each his own. Husby has a favorite, and I do not. I'm just, keep, I'm just keeping it a buck. Okay, baby. All right, your turn for your favorite segment. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our lifestyle segment. Which is a segment where we just talk about things in pop culture or, you know, just social commentary on things. And today, what I want to talk about, actually, I, I mean, I, I kind of wasn't going to talk about this because I kind of low-key already talked about it on social media. But there's just so many more nuggets and so many more gems that have come out of this situation, which I think deserves some talking points. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, which is Nicki Minaj versus Megan Thee Stallion. Now, this beef is a little interesting because, A, for the casual fan, they're just like, where did this come from? Like, it's just kind of low-key, like, out of nowhere, you know? Like, we have Megan Thee Stallion last week, you know, reveal this song, Hiss, 
accompanied by a video, which was a very nice video, by the way. Like, she took some time and effort in that video, which I think actually elevates the song. But she's just pretty much addressing, you know, all the comments and things that have been said about her like especially regarding like the Tory Lanez trial and him getting convicted and going to jail her breakup with her ex-boyfriend partner Fontaine past exes that she might have been with in the spotlight um and then you know in the song which is interesting because it's not a full song dedicated to Nicki Minaj she literally gives Nicki Minaj like maybe two bars in total out of this whole song but you know that these two bars were very effective because it i mean Nicki minaj went on like a she went on like a three-day two-day binge of like just going at the girl oh right now <laughs> over these over over seemingly this one line you know what her I mean? feelings was hurt bruh it was really hurt and it really got weird because like not only was Nicki Minaj hurt, she went on Twitter and was like going on a whole Twitter rant for like a whole entire day. Then she went live, went on IG live and was going on the same rant, playing music in the background, pretty much showing that she was making a diss song. Then she went on another platform, which is called like Station, which is seemingly like if you ever did Clubhouse or it was in Clubhouse Station is kind of the same it's like the same thing. It's like Clubhouse was just another different platform. She was talking about Megan Thee Stallion on there, right? Even to the point where, like, she had teased this album cover or album artwork for Bigfoot, which is Nicki Minaj's diss single, right? And was like, oh, it's going to come out tomorrow at 3 p.m. So me, the hip-hop fan I am, which, and I, I want to preface this saying that I actually like both artists. Like, it's not like I dislike Nicki Minaj or I dislike Meg, uh, Megan Thee Stallion. Like, I, I genuinely actually like both of them. Um, now I got my opinions on like Nicki's music as, as of late, but neither here nor there. I actually do like Nicki Minaj. Um, but so she teases this at she teases this song was like, Oh, it's gonna come out at 3 p.m. Then it got even delayed, like, Oh, I'm just I'm just touching up some stuff. It's actually gonna come out at nine, bruh. Had us <laughs> waiting, right? I'm like, whoo, okay, I can't I like I like me a little beef. Now I like the I like music beef when we seeing who's gonna make the best song or have the best disc. I don't condone like violence or like, you know, people meeting up and shooting at each other or fighting each other. That's I just, condone the violence. That's just crazy. But music, yeah, I wanna hear who got the best bars. I wanna hear who comes up with the best whatever. Bruh, nine o'clock comes. The Nicki Minaj thing pop up on YouTube. I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. Boy, was that some boo boo that <laughs> she <laughs> dropped. And it was just not only was it like, first off, the beat was just like some 2008 beat she was rapping on. And then, like, all of the bars she had was already stuff that she was tweeting on Twitter or X. We call it X now. And they just was not hidden. Like, and the crazy thing is, like, Nicki Minaj, I think, really, like, when it dropped, she really thought she was eating. Like, she thought, like, oh, let me go ahead and get Meg <laughs> out of here. Let me get her out of here with this diss song, bruh. It is not going well for that lady, you know, two days following her releasing that. Because everybody is having, like, kind of a discourse about her diss. A, how it was just subpar and lackluster. And B... How she kind of was just going, she she went a little, some people feel she went a little too far because a lot of people don't know is that Megan Thee Stallion, she used to be managed by her mom, um, but her mom passed away a few years ago. And her mom passed away to like, um, 
she had like some type of cancer. I think it was like brain cancer or something like that. That's so, sad. you know, it's a death that just wasn't, you know, I mean, no death is good, but, you know, she just went in a way that, you know, it was terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, you could do nothing to help her. You could do nothing to save her. You know what I mean? And prior to that, Megan Thee Stallion's father had passed away a long time ago. So, oh my gosh. She's now parentless, kid. right? You know? And, like, in the just of, like, Nicki Minaj's diss, as whack as it was, it was just a very underlying tone about, like, she kept bringing up her dead mom, like, you know, Lana, your dead mama, like, and just making, like, a melody of it. And I'm just like, I don't know, bro. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like borderline. Most most people in rap say that when a dis when people are dissing and it's a battle rap, like there's kind of no the gloves are off or whatnot. But technically, there's just certain things you don't say. Even if we go back to old beefs, probably one of the biggest beefs in hip hop history is Nas and Jay Z. You know what I mean? Jay Z comes out with Takeover. Nas responds with Ether. We all know how that went. If you know, if you know beef. Ether is literally like a verb. People say like, oh, he ethered you. So we know how that went. So much so that Jay-Z then puts out another diss record called Super Ugly. And if you know the history of them, Jay-Z says a line in this song that was just kind of way out of line, way overboard. Even to the fact that Jay-Z became self-aware and, and like made an apology about like going that far in that record. You know what I mean? Fast forward 20 years later, him and Nas piece it up. They've made songs together. They're they're the best of friends. They FaceTime each other type stuff like that. But when it comes to this Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion beef, like, yeah, just crossing that line, like, you know, going to her mom. And then, like, some fan tried to call Nicki Minaj out on it to where Nicki Minaj was like, well, you know, she was talking about my family, you know, and I, so once she talked about my family, it was just open game. And yeah, I would make. Nah, uh, kind of. Well, what Nicki Minaj is referring to of Megan and Stallion talking her, about her family. Her brother's a pedophile, right? Well, her man. <laughs> that's so sissy. That's where it gets a little murky, right? So you got her brother who is now serving a jail sentence for like some type of sexual pedophilia type stuff. And then you got her husband that Nicki Minaj is now married to that was in prison for. Um, you know, committing some, like, sexual assault um, back in the day, back when he was, like, in his teens. But because of that assault, like, he now has to register as, like, a sex offender. And the sexual assault, like, it was kind of crazy. Like, it was dealing with, like, a, you know, like, some a knife and all type of stuff, right? Ooh, like, real enough. crazy. Yeah, real crazy. And my whole thing is, like, Nick, Megan Thee Stallion the first person to say something about her husband. Like, there's been a lot of people that have said things about her current husband at this point. And I'm just like, even to the point where Nicki Minaj, she tried to buy a house in LA, but the house was like zoned, like too close to a park or a school or something like that. And like the husband couldn't live at the house. She was like furious with the county and like their laws and stipulation. But I'm like, girl, you married the man, knew he had this this record, this type of record where he has to register wherever he goes. That's crazy. And because of what he did. So we'll always know where Nicki Minaj lives is what you're pretty, telling us? Look, pretty much, as long as she's married to this guy. But it's just like, how are you going to get mad and try to fight for something when you already knew what it was? That was that was something that he did. You know what I mean? That's something that he now has to live with because of the law. So now, like I said, we go back to this where Megan Thee Stallion... <laughs> Megan's down, like I said, the one line in Megan Thee Stallion's song, which was, which shows the cleverness of just the bars. She literally says, "These girls can't. These girls not mad at Megan. They just be mad at Megan's law, right?" 
And <laughs> and when you Google Megan's Law, most people don't know what Megan's Law funny. is. Megan's <laughs> Law is like the it's the law that was enacted. What a good what a good bar. That's a, that's a bar right there. <laughs> yes, the law that was enacted to where people who you know, especially like with child predators and things like that, if they get a if they get caught and you know convicted, they have to register as a sex offender. That's where that that's that's what that law is for. And so seemingly that that bar she did was a double entendre, really a triple entendre because not only is it talking about the husband that Nicki Minaj is with having to register as a sex offender, but then it also talks about her brother. You know, but and then her name, yeah, and her name, like it's like I love that. That's what hip hop is about. Like it's clever, you know what I mean. And so, Dang. you know, here we go. And hopefully the Barb's don't attack me, but the Barb's is real delusional right now. Who's the Barb's? The Barb's is Nicki Minaj's fan sect, just the the friend her her stand group, if you will. Uh, wow, I never heard of that. Yeah, everybody has one. So Nicki Minaj has the Barb's. Like I said, Cardi B has Barty Gang. Who's Megan? The Stallions people, the Stallionaires. They the hotties, hot girls, real you know the hotties. The so hotties. real hot. That's so. Yeah. That is so corny. I hate it. Yeah. So you know Megan Stallion like made hot like trying to make hot girl famous. You got Rihanna. Rihanna has the Navy. Beyonce has the Beehive. So you know everybody got everybody got their own stuff. But yo, they these barbs is on internet and they just trying to chuck up that this song is like gold, that is a masterpiece, that Nikki just really did it. Yeah, she bodied her and blah blah blah. And it couldn't be any further from the truth. And it's just interesting to just have conversations with people who really believe that Nicki Minaj is superior. Why I really feel this was fitting to really kind of talk about this is because our last episode, I seemingly I, I was actually talking about who are like the top five goat female rappers. And I posed the question on social media and everybody like kind of had Nicki like in their top five list somewhere, somehow, bruh. Literally after this, somebody wrote me and was like, man, I got to rethink my list because that was trash that Nicki Park put out. <laughs> <laughs> like that's funny yeah so anyway as of today as it stands megan the stallion hasn't responded back to the song that Nicki minaj put out and to be quite honest i mean if we just gonna go off of based off of like which was better honestly i don't even think megan the stallion should even respond to it because that it, the song was so trash it, really the balls in Nicki minaj court because megan the stallion won that round if this was a round this is that first round it's 1-0 in Megan's favor. Megan the Stallion should release a, a song and it should be called Basura. And then on it, it should just say Basura. And that's it. <laughs> like, just trash, right? And what makes it even more trash is that we see when Nicki first released it, you know, like I said, she thought it was going to be some heat. And now people are like replaying and saying like Nicki's diss song was just subpar mediocre. Now she's telling, now she's online saying, Oh, I hope you guys aren't calling this a diss song because this wasn't a diss song. Girl, at the end of the song, she goes on a literal minute rant talking about Megan Thee Stallion by name. Talking about some, you know, if you don't apologize, I got four more of these to put out. Blah, blah, blah. If you still want to keep going. Well, girl, you better you better get your next one geared up because that first one, that was not it. <laughs> not, I haven't not, even heard it. Not it at all, yo. Com especially like I said, especially c compared to Megan's The Stallion's hiss. And you know what I just really love about it, and what I love, like I said, what I just love about hip hop, I just love the competition of it. I want to see who can call it the best art. Now, am I saying like these were the greatest? Like with Megan The Stallion's diss was the was the greatest diss ever created? No, you know, like I said, we have the ethers out the out there in the world. We have the No Vaseline's by Ice Cube. You know what I mean? We have the Hit 'Em Up by by Tupac. But for this time being, this time period, bruh, Megan kind of got this one. 
like I said, as of today, as I've, as uh, as of today with our recording, nothing else has been released, but it's not looking it's not looking too good for Nikki right now. So hopefully she goes back to the drawing board. Hopefully she gets the yes man from out of her corner because I don't understand how you a friend of somebody and you hear that and you say, Yeah, girl, you should put that out. <laughs> them ain't your friends, Nikki. I'm rolling. <laughs> them are, rolling. Them are not your friends. Rolling. Girl. You know what I mean? And you can't you can't be talking all that head on the internet, you know what I mean, and building up to this and then drop something that weak and then get mad that people is calling it weak. You can't you you just can't, you know. So let's try again, Nikki. Let's let's get the bars right and let let's have a proper fight, all right? So anyway, I just wanted to just wanted to talk about that. And all, and also too, I wanna say, because a lot of people now, I think now I really think it's the bars. And my last thing I'm gonna say is they're actually trying to go at Megan a Stall- Megan a Stallion and saying that what Megan a Stallion did is actually a low bar from even using Megan's law in her bar because somebody was like, you know, now now this song is trending and Megan's Law is trending. And how do you think the family of the girl because Megan's Law was created from an actual girl that was raped, uh kidnapped and raped. Um, and they killed. probably happiest trending. Yeah, and killed because more people can um, be caught. Right, right, and that's why the that's why the, law, the laws in her name. And so they're like, you know, Megan Thee Stallion doing this, and they bringing up old wounds for the family and blah blah blah. But Girl, somebody boo. somebody asked the dad about the song. He was like, "Well, I haven't even heard the song, but you know, I heard that she said Megan's Law, and that Megan's Law is now trending, and more people are googling it to googling it to see what it is." So I don't know. That that seems good that to me. That sounds like a good thing to <laughs> me too. Yeah. I mean, you know, so hey, it is what it is. But anyway, um, that's what that's just that's the last thing I wanted to say. Um, Nikki, if you're listening, go ahead and step your bars up and stay off stay off of IG Live because And pay my student loans. Yeah, because that rent you was giving off, it was given. I don't know if you was on if you, I don't know if you was on something. I don't know if you was having like a mental break or something was going on. But bruh, that rent was sounding crazy. But anywho, Megan <laughs> one, Nikki zero. Let's see where this goes from there. <laughs> but anywho, um, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our podcast as always, um, especially our day ones. You just you guys can continue to just tune in every week, man. We really appreciate that, um, and I want to make sure that we say that every time because you know this is this is an hour out of your day. You know, it's an hour out of your day that you're spending time with us, and you could be spending that hour doing anything or listening to anybody else, but you're here with us, and we just want to say we appreciate you. Um, we ask that you guys just go ahead and hit our comment section. Leave us some comments. Leave us some, you know, if there's a topic that you want to hear that, you know, we haven't talked about yet, go ahead and put that comment in the comment section. Go ahead and leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Um, hopefully this is a five-star episode. Hopefully all of our, five, our episodes are five-star episodes, and you guys leave that rating and it shows in that form. Um, so we just thank you for listening. Also, please check out our description. Um, we have a link to our children's book in there and we got some other stuff coming up for you guys. So please stay tuned for that. And we hope you guys have a great rest of the week. As always, God bless.